Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. Each week, we dig into God's Word, trusting that the Holy Spirit will continue the good work of sanctification in us. One of the most awkward feelings might be getting sent out to perform a task for someone else to be sent out to do something. You become filled with anxiety. You become filled with maybe some sense of confusion because you don't know exactly what it is that you're supposed to do. And more importantly, you don't necessarily know how you're going to be received, right? Uh, perhaps you were sent out to go door to door for a fundraiser at some point. That's not awkward at all, is it? To go knock on somebody's door and to ask them to buy something? No, not awkward. Sure, you understand the importance of what you're about to do. You are convicted of the need to go out and raise funds, but you don't know how your solicitation is going to be received by the people on the other side of the doors that you knock on, do you? You just don't know. You know that you don't necessarily like it when someone comes and knocks on your door, so you're apprehensive when you do it to someone else. You also don't know how soon the person you will be coming face-to-face -face with is going to be coming to the door. How long do I wait? And you don't know uh, how they feel about supporting whatever it is that you are asking them to support. There's all these questions that create anxiety in us. Now, maybe it isn't even something as confrontational as selling something or asking for support for something. I remember many years back, uh, the church I worked at was doing a push for outreach in the month of, I think, late March or early April, I guess it would be, because we were doing an outreach push for Easter. I came up with this great idea. We would design door knockers to hang on the doors of people in the neighborhood. So we did this. Well, then we had to go out. We had to actually put them on the doors. Now, like I said, this was my idea. And I went out to do it with other people, and I remember the anxiety of going up to somebody's door. I, f I think I was probably moving away as soon as I put it on the doorknob because I was worried that they were going to come to the door. What would I say? How would I answer them of, if they asked what I was doing? Again, this was my idea, and I had this level of anxiety of being sent out, and I was the one doing the sending. In fact, I'm pretty sure that this was my idea to the extent that I even did the graphic design and layout of the door knocker. But I was apprehensive about how I was going to respond to somebody who asked me what I was doing. Again, even though it was my idea. You understand that feeling we get in the pit of our stomach when we're not sure when we're the ones sent out, but we're not sure how to respond. Now imagine if you had been one of the disciples in the passage that we read from Luke today, and you're being sent out to proclaim the message of Jesus. You are on your way there. You are going to be saying what Jesus told you to say. Now maybe you were anticipating this when you went to following him around. Maybe you were anticipating this, this work. But then Jesus drops what he says in verse 3 on you. Let, let's see verse 3 here. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. 
Those are some pretty intense words. Even if you were excited about the message of Jesus, are you excited about going out and being a lamb in the midst of wolves? We know what happens to lambs in the midst of wolves. They are eaten. They are destroyed. So no matter how prepared you feel, no matter what Jesus has done to prepare you to proclaim the message that he's sending you out to do, you have to have apprehension and fear here because even Jesus is telling you this isn't going to go well. So as we come back to the Gospel of Luke and we engage in this story that we have looked at, this story of the Gospel going out, we're going to see Jesus sending out 72 of his followers. Now as we do this, we're going to really quickly break it down into three portions so we can navigate the text, so we can keep it moving, and so even if you get really bored, you can say, hey, at least we're on point three, we're almost done. So the first point that we're going to look at today is we're going to see that Jesus sends out the 72 with a warning. The task that they're being sent out to do isn't an easy one, as I showed you there in verse 3. And so they shouldn't expect good reception wherever they go. They should be ready. They should be wary. Secondly, we're going to see that the message is that the kingdom has come near to them. This is what he wants them to say. This is the message that's going in front of Jesus as these disciples, these followers of Jesus, prepare the path. The kingdom has come near to you. Thirdly, we're going to see Jesus speaking woes on cities that are unrepentant. Now, this can be a bit surprising for us because we quickly forget the more harsh words of Jesus, don't we? we? We tend to focus on the statements of blessing. But here, what Jesus has to say are woes. And they're woes about the rejection of his message. And these are harsh words, and they're an important reminder to you and I of the importance of hearing and believing the message of Jesus. So as we dig into the text here, we need a quick reminder of where we left off in Luke. The last statement that Jesus made in Luke 9, verse 62, was this. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That was a great message for us because the last time we were in Luke was right after New Year's. I said that that was a great message for us, a reminder for us as we headed into a new year to remember to put our nose to the grindstone to head out with the message and the mission of Jesus. And so this simple sentence here reminds us of the context that Luke 10 is coming into. Jesus has just told them that there's work to be done. They need to do this. If you want to be fit for the kingdom of God, you need to put your hand to the plow and not look back. And so with that in mind, he's sending out 72 of his followers, and they're going to experience what Jesus is driving at here in a very real way. Look at verses 1 through 3. He appoints 72 others. So you remember back in Luke, he sent out the 12, but here he's sending out others. And what does he say? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There is a lot to be done for the kingdom of God. The message is going out to all the people, but there aren't very many people to spread the message. So Jesus has expanded from the 12 to the 72 to get this message out. There is a harvest, but if you don't have somebody to bring in the harvest, what happens? It just stays in the field. So Jesus is sending out 72 in the hopes that there will be more laborers who will bring this back. Now, I find this first verse here in chapter one, or the, the first verse in chapter 10 here to be interesting 
as I imagine it. We see that Jesus is expanding his group of followers quite a bit. He needs more people for the harvest. As I said, we've seen the 12 disciples, but now the group is going to be 72. Now, when you read through these passages, and I'm sure you do what I tend to do when I read narrative passages. I try to put myself in the shoes of somebody who's in the story. I try to see from my perspective what I think would be going on in the text. Now, you would think it would be pretty cool to be one of the 72 here, to be a part of this story, right? Now, you aren't in the inner group of 12. You're not one of the 12 disciples, but you've been following Jesus, and now you've made the second cut. You're on the second team. You're not in the honors class, but you're right below it. You are finally getting to be a part of something special here. You've been following it. You're here. This is exciting. It's a pretty good place to be. Mom is going to be really proud of the fact that you made the second cut of Jesus' followers. She is excited. I bet you when she meets with her friends for coffee, this is the first thing she tells them on Thursday, right? She is going to make sure her friends know that her, her son made it, that he is in this second group. Well, you know you're getting sent out. You're excited about that. You're sure mom will be excited. But then we saw what we looked at in verse 3 here. Yeah, I've made the cut to be in the top 72, but I'm being sent out like a sheep amidst the wolves. Oh, boy. You, what would you be thinking? You finally made it, only to find out that you've got a target on your back, that people are coming looking for you, that this is difficult. And if that isn't enough... Jesus has some instructions for them that seem to make the whole task that they're set out to do even more difficult. You would think being sheep in the midst of wolves, you'd be gearing up, wouldn't you? Put on your tactical armor because they're going to be coming after you. Get ready, pack up, get some supplies. Jesus has just said that this is going to be a difficult task, so get ready. People aren't going to help you. Have your stuff ready. But that's the exact opposite of what they're told to do. I remember when I was in Boy Scouts, what was the motto? Be prepared. You would think that's what Jesus would encourage. But here, he's telling them, you don't need to do these things. These instructions are the exact opposite of what we would expect. What do we have? No money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. Well, you would think you would need the knapsack because... You can't just come to rest wherever if nobody's inviting you into the home. You'd think you'd need this so you can stay where you need to be. You would think you would need money for food, for a place to stay. You would think you would need these basic things. But no, that's not what Jesus has said. And we'll see why that is. Well, then we have this really interesting one. No sandals. No sandals. Well, this, this isn't most likely that Jesus is telling them to go out barefoot. They're talking about what they're to be packing here, and they would have already had sandals on their feet. And so this is about not having extra sandals, extra stuff along. Jesus is telling them what they shouldn't carry, and they, sh they would have already had their sandals on their feet, like I said. So what is this about? It's about not having too much with them so that they can move about freely and quickly. And so what we get here is the idea of urgency in the message of Jesus and we get this with the idea of don't greet anyone when you come to them. 
Don't greet anyone on the road. In this time, this would have been considered very, very rude. There were customary greetings that you had to do. It wasn't like you and I walking through the store and you see somebody you don't necessarily want to talk to, and so, how are you? Fine. You know, that's not the customary greeting of this time. They were extensive. They took a long time. And so Jesus is saying to them here, don't stop. Don't do these long greetings. Don't sit and talk for minutes. The message is important. Keep moving. Stay on task. Get going. The message is important. And so Jesus gives them this idea of the importance and the pressing nature of this, and he also gives them instructions to help us to see further the degree to which they are to trust in the provision that God is to give them. They're not trusting in themselves. They're to trust what God is going to do. God is going to provide through his people, the people that are committed to the mission of Jesus. And so those who receive the good news of God's peace will provide for the messengers who bring this good news. They will not only put a roof over their heads, but the people will provide what they need, all that they need. And what we read here is that they are to be grateful. These messengers who are sent out are to be grateful for all that they have, all that they're given. And so what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to stay where they are blessed. Don't be moving around looking for different accommodations that are better for you. Don't go looking for better food. Eat what is set before you. This is a provision from God. This is God's blessing for you. And the idea of what we've seen here in our first point is clear. There is an urgency to what they're doing. They are going to come under attack. They are going to not have everybody agreeing with them. There is an urgency. And so as they head out the door to do this task, they're to trust God, not themselves. They are to trust that God is going to use his people to provide. And after all this sending out, is done. We move on to the second point, and we see the message that these 72 are to proclaim. They're to heal the sick. They're to say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, previously, in the Gospel of Luke, we've seen the disciples being sent out, just the 12. And you remember them returning to Jesus amazed at what they were able to do in the name of Jesus. They were amazed at, at how what they were doing was received and the, and the miracles they were able to do. And so now even more are being sent out. The ministry of Jesus is continuing to expand as we've seen throughout the story that Luke tells. And so now 72 are going to do the same thing. What are they told to do? They're to heal the sick. Now, as we've seen many times, the connection of miracles to the message is important. This is how the people are to know that this isn't the random message of some guy walking down the road. The miracles show the people that this message is from God, that this is a divine message throughout the Old Testament. When were the most miracles done? When something new was happening and they established that God is doing it. Think about, think about back to Moses. All the miracles that happened there, what was happening? God was delivering his word and he was showing them the covenant that he was making with them. The miracles are connected with the authority of the message. And so the message that has authority 
The message that these messengers are to proclaim is that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, there are some things that we need to think about with what Jesus is saying here about this message. The first thing is that these messengers have a message. They're not sent out randomly. Go talk about me. Go tell people about this. No, they have a specific message from Jesus. They aren't just going out to give their opinion on who Jesus is or what they think he's doing. Instead, it's a message that is given by the Lord himself. And this is important for us to understand and for us to remember. The preacher doesn't give his message, but he is to stick to the message of the one who has sent him out. And we want to be deliberate. We want to be deliberate to stick to the message of Jesus and not go off onto our own things or what we think it should be. We stick with the word of the Lord. That is the message that we stick to. We stay on that path. And another important thing that we see here is that the medium of the message is important. The kingdom comes near to them through proclamation. The kingdom isn't coming near to them through an army marching in and setting up this kingdom with rulers. That's not how the kingdom comes near to them. That's what we expect. If the kingdom is going to come near, we need soldiers, we need a king, we need power in a human way to come. But when the message comes near to the people, when the kingdom comes near to the people, it is proclaimed, it is preached The kingdom is near through the preached word. And also notice, who is receiving this message of the kingdom? Jesus didn't tell them to go and and march on the powers that be, the, the centers of power in Jerusalem. He didn't tell them to go to Rome and set up the kingdom with Caesar. He tells them to go out to these towns, to the backwater areas of Palestine, to proclaim this message of the kingdom. In other words, the message of the kingdom is coming to common, ordinary folk like you and I. The message of the kingdom of God is for the ordinary. And it comes through ordinary means, through the proclamation of the gospel. Ordinary folks like you and I out in the remote areas of the Roman Empire are hearing this message. The kingdom is coming near to them, not to the powers that be. The kingdom is coming to the regular folk. You would think that a message this important would go to the people in the positions of power, but instead it goes to literally everyone, rich and poor, young and old, female and male. The message of the kingdom goes to everybody. The kingdom is near in the proclamation of the gospel. The kingdom is near in what God is doing, and it's near to everybody. It's near to all of us. And as we look at what Jesus is telling them to do, we see that there is a severity to how this message is received. And so we see a repeat of the idea from when he sent out the 12. Remember when he told them to wipe the dust off their feet. We see that. And we see here that regardless of whether or not the message is received with enthusiasm or whether it is rejected, it doesn't change the fact that the kingdom has come near to them. The rejection of the message incurs judgment. And the words of Jesus here 
are harsh words, aren't they? Those that have the message and reject it, we see that judgment will be more bearable for Sodom than for those who reject the message brought by the followers of Jesus. So what does this mean? What's being said here? Well, the wickedness of Sodom was something that was well known, and so was the judgment that God brought upon them. Everyone knew that. We still know that to this day. And so in speaking about this, Jesus isn't softening the idea of Sodom's sin or saying that the desolation of Sodom that, that occurred with God's judgment upon them is not that big a deal. No, what he's saying is that people, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You have not only seen the miracles that validate the message, but you have also heard the message. The kingdom has come near, the message of the kingdom. And so the kingdom is at hand, people. The kingdom is here. And to reject it and the grace that comes to you for it or through it is to reject the kingdom of God. He is saying, you have seen this. You have seen the miracles. You have heard the message of God's grace. And to turn away from it is a grievous thing. And Jesus continues to show the gravity of the message by these woes that he speaks on the cities that reject the message. We see this as it says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. And so this is basically the same statement that we just saw about Sodom. And you see this here with what is said about Tyre and Sidon. If they would have seen, if they would have heard the message of the kingdom, Jesus says they would have repented. If they would have seen the blessing of what I'm doing, they would have turned from their sin. And we continue to see the gravity of this with the extent of the judgment here. These people are not going to be exalted to heaven. No. Instead, we read that they are brought down to Hades. To reject this does not incur temporal judgment. To reject the message of the kingdom is to, is to incur upon yourself an eternal judgment. And what we feel in this statement is the gravity of rejecting the message of the kingdom because this message is the message of salvation and this message leads us to repentance. It's to cause us to turn from our sin and to deny that message. We see it has eternal consequences. And as we conclude the passage here, we get this idea of the importance of hearing and believing Jesus. And we get here kind of a, a summary of what we have seen in this whole passage, don't we? The message of the Messiah is brought by his messengers. And to reject that message is a rejection of him. But we see that the authority goes even further down the line, don't we? The message of Jesus is not a message that is of earthly origin. The message of the kingdom isn't an idea that some guy had while he was sitting around with his friends on some fishing boats. That's not what the message of the kingdom is. We see here with this statement that this is a message from above. It's a message from God. And so this is why this message is of utmost importance. The kingdom has come near. And this isn't a philosophy of man that gives you an option on, if I follow this, 
Maybe if I decide to follow this, I might have a better life. This, this is up for me to decide. This isn't an optional message here. This is a message that if it's received, brings forgiveness and life. And if it is rejected, it brings judgment and it brings condemnation. And so this message is a message from God himself. And to reject the message delivered by the followers of Jesus is to reject Jesus and ultimately to reject the Father. And as we come to considering the application of this passage for us, I want us to dwell here on the gravity of the message of the kingdom for us. As we come to a passage like this, it's really easy, really easy, to think about those who have rejected the message, to dwell on those statements, to point to the rejection of the message and to the judgment that others will receive. But we have to remember that that judgment is out of our hands. It's completely out of our control. We need to be concerned with how we receive the message of the kingdom, what we do with it. We've seen that there's an urgency because rejecting it can bring judgment. But even if we are in that grace, there is an urgency to the message of the kingdom coming near that we have to hear. Because what has been given to us as believers in this message of the nearness of kingdom. What have we received? We have been blessed to have heard the gospel of salvation in Christ. And so this judgment that Jesus is talking about here does not come to us. We know the story of Jesus bearing the wrath of God for our sin and rising again to rescue us from death. We know that message. But do we take this message with the gravity that it holds do we take this message that tells us of our salvation from sin, death, and hell, and do we make sure that there is an urgency to that message in our lives? Having received the message of the kingdom, do we keep it to ourselves, or do we proclaim it as we have been called to do? And so the message of the gospel is of the utmost importance for you and I because that's the message that we have been given. The kingdom has come near to you and I in the gospel. And as we come to the fount this morning, we do so knowing that the kingdom of God is near to us. That as we proclaim the word, as we speak the word today here in this sacrament, we know that the kingdom of God is near because the kingdom is as near as the word preached. The kingdom is as near as the word proclaimed to us. And so as we speak this word over Charlie this morning and we trust in the power of that word and the promise of God, we believe and we trust that the kingdom has come near and that the word and the spirit will work in her to bring her to faith. And so may the gravity of the message of the kingdom coming near to us be in our minds, in our hearts. Not only as we make our baptismal promises this morning, but as we step out into the world and we see people and we know that we have received this message that the kingdom has come near, may we bring it through the proclamation of the word near to others. And may we be serious about proclaiming this kingdom that has come near to our covenant children. They are a blessing to us. And we know that God has come near to us and we trust that he will come near to them as well. For we know, we know 
that God has come near to us through his word. And so may we proclaim that word and trust that God will use it to bring life and salvation to those who hear and believe this message of the nearness of the kingdom of God in the gospel. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, O Lord, that we have a confidence that your kingdom is near to us because it comes to us through the proclaimed word. We thank you for the message of the kingdom that in Christ we are forgiven of our sins and that we have the sure promise of salvation. We pray, Lord, that we would take this message to the world with gravity, that we would understand the urgency of it, that others might hear and believe, and that we might be built up by this message of the kingdom to glorify you with our lives living in holiness. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. For more information about First Reformed Church, head to our Facebook page or website, edgertonfrc.org.